Many thanks to Spark, the presenting sponsor of African Tech Roundup's podcast miniseries on the entrepreneurial progress being made in some of the world's most vulnerable states. Spark is a Dutch NGO that bridges the gap between higher education and entrepreneurship in fragile and conflict-ridden regions of North and Sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. To learn more about Spark and the opportunities they're creating, visit sparkonline.org. That's spark-online.org. In this podcast, I chat with the co-founder of a social manufacturing enterprise that works with Syrian refugees and their host communities in Jordan to produce high-quality custom-printed bags for clients across the MENA region and in Europe. My guest also happens to be a specialist in economic empowerment projects with the Jordan River Foundation, a World Economic Forum Global Shaper, and a Swedish Institute Fellow. Now listen in to learn how she's leveraging entrepreneurship to help her homeland cope and find new ways to thrive in the face of one of the world's most severe refugee crises. This podcast was taped at the fringes of Spark's sixth annual Ignite Conference, a premier gathering of refugees, entrepreneurs, educators, private sector actors, government leaders, academics, and NGOs. This is an independent African Tech Roundup production. The opinions expressed by me, your host, and those of my guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the presenting partner, Spark. Hi, my name is Renim Al-Maqbal. I'm from Jordan. I am the co-founder of Tina. Tina is a social uh, enterprise uh, for manufacturing. We manufacture cotton bags with the Syrian uh, refugee women and women from their host community in Jordan and export these products to uh, businesses and hotels and other companies in Europe and USA and Japan and recently uh, MENA region. Uh, I am also a workforce development specialist, so I work in uh, economic empowerment for post-conflict projects, mainly with refugees, focusing on their livelihood in their host communities and how uh, they can sustain and uh, gain more resilience. Welcome to the African Tech Roundup. I'm privileged. (laughs) Oh, please, we're privileged to have you. My immediate question is, how do you end up in the space? You're obviously from the Middle Eastern region. Um, Perhaps let us into how this becomes uh, something you dedicate your entire sort of professional life to. Uh, so um, my I started working uh, on, the, on the refugee crisis since the beginning. I I have a civil engineering background, and I was working on emergency project, emergency response projects such as shelter uh, and renewable energy, and so. And uh, after four years of the crisis, when we were dealing directly with the beneficiaries, with the refugees themselves. Uh, we were hearing them complaining about the situation and instant cash. It's it's not what they're looking for. They wanted something more sustainable that helps them to have a stable life and uh, access for better education. And that all starts with uh, income. Uh, so uh, I met my business partner. We are both part of the Global Shapers community. That is the young uh, community of the World Economic Forum. And we both had the same uh, uh, energy and motivation. And we were thinking what could be the simplest product that these women can work with. And that's where the uh, tote bags came up. 
So what we did, uh, we started accessing women from the host community and the refugee community. We were we started holding focus group sessions, asking them what are their needs, uh, uh, how they can achieve uh, financial independence. Especially, most of them are uh, the head of their houses and they don't have any support. So that that's how the model started. Uh, at the beginning, they were like freelancers. We provide them with the design and the raw material. They provide us with the finished product. Later on, we started working in uh, part-time. After that, with less than a year, we were able to have uh, 18 uh, people in the team uh, working on full-time, getting uh, skills enhancement training from other partners we were working with. And this is the model we're trying to, to develop, to uh, have an access point for these uh, women to uh, better education and better income. So I only learned recently that the vast majority of um, people impacted by conflict or uh, refugees, as some call them, um, end up in countries within close vicinity of the impacted regions. And so for those of us who aren't familiar with Jordan and perhaps countries nearest to Syria, which contrary to popular perception are the ones that have received the most refugees relative to say other places like Europe and, 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 and North America, set the stage for those of us who don't quite understand what that might look and feel like and how that would impact your community and country in the case of Jordan? Uh, in the case of Jordan, I think Jordan is uh, the second biggest host of the Syrian refugees. Uh, Jordan is uh, 10 million of population. I think we're almost uh, nine something. And uh, there is one million registered refugees. Uh, from the crisis, Jordan is a, a not that developed country, so we have uh, some infrastructure problems. We already have an unemployment problem prior to the refugee crisis. So when, when the crisis started it and um, we had this rapid increase in population, of course, there's going to be <laughs> uh, sequences, but um, uh, it should be dealt with because at the end of the day, it happened and it is what it is. So it's a small country and with high, with a sudden uh, increase in population. And um, there was a gap for most of uh, the, the new refugees or the new incomers that the, they missed the schools, they couldn't have jobs. And this is... Uh, very bad for everyone. I mean, we should get to a, a point where, where there is uh, a win-win situation for the, both the host community and the refugee them, themselves. So they both can, they both have potential and they both need to employ it. And what's the current policy, public policy towards uh, refugees in, in Jordan? Would you say that a Syrian refugee can enjoy the freedoms of, say, movement and uh, economic participation as a Jordanian citizen? Uh, not fully. 
but uh, it's getting uh, somewhere i hope uh, the, the 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 thing with the, uh, employing refugees that they need a special work permits they need uh, special security uh, cards so they can move freely and um, they can't work in any uh, job there are closed professions only for jordanian and uh, this sometimes creates conflict and uh, th that's what we tried to do at Tina, that we have a cohesion between uh, the women. That's why we intended to bring women from both sides to work together. And it, w it worked amazing, to be honest, because most refugees are located in rural areas, in very far away uh, uh, neighborhood. And uh, this created more frustration for both their neighbors and for themselves, that uh, they both are fighting for the, the very uh, little and poor infrastructure or uh, for the very little services. And uh, when they when they work together, they started learning from each other and they started understanding that they both can coexist. We're taking a quick break to tell you a little more about Spark, the presenting sponsor of the series. Spark is a Dutch NGO with a difference. Since being founded by two Dutch students in the 1990s to stem the degradation of higher education in the Balkans, the organization has grown to deliver expert services in 15 of the world's most vulnerable countries, including Libya, Liberia and Syria. Spark bridges the gap between higher education and entrepreneurship by providing scholarships to displaced people, catalyzing student participation through civic leadership and providing entrepreneurs with the support they need to succeed. To learn more about how Spark is rebuilding futures through vocational education and SME growth programs in the Middle East, as well as North and Sub-Saharan Africa, visit sparkonline.org. That's spark-online.org. Do you see a disconnect between your mission and perhaps the mandate of grant funding organizations from abroad who have an idea of what intervention should look like and perhaps have incentives to invest in certain things? Uh, I think they, there are already programs that are implemented in that way where they in, uh, give incentives if you employ more Syrians, there are new policies uh, and so. Um, it's a great way to uh, encourage everyone to include uh, the refugees with their host communities. Uh, but what I don't think should be done is having one design that fits all because it should be more customized and um, should be related to more what they want, not, more, not only thinking what we think they need, <laughs> because it's good to hear from them and communicate to them what they are, the life they want should look like. What do you say to your fellow countrymen and women who feel that you need to be putting their interests first? And that someone else should deal with this issue and it's not fair that Jordan must deal with the situation they didn't cause or, you know, at least to a greater extent, something that's not necessarily their problem. I'm playing devil's advocate here. So what do you say to people like that who say, would your enterprise exist without these people? Is it sustainable or the right thing to do, given the fact that we had our own problems before this whole thing happened? Uh, I think we already have that. <laughs> is there a lot of that? <laughs> there is quite a lot of that. Uh, but I think we, we know it's a problem, it's an issue, because we are already uh, a developing country, so we have so much so to challenge. Uh, 
but to look at it as an opportunity, not as an issue. Of course, it's unfair to take all the burden, but also we need to have adaptability to change. It's good to look at it as an opportunity and the human potential. That, that is a lot of talents. That's a lot of uh, uh, new um, potential human work. I mean, can, we can employ them and uh, make use of it to to create more inclusive uh, industries. So there's there's an argument for self-interest here. Well, self-interest and I mean, it's common sense. So there are oversimplifications made. You know, when we read about refugee crises from afar and we read about what's moving the needle and the things that usually catch the headlines are, are flashy or apparently kids are learning or are being reminded of their homelands through VR and there are these art projects that are helping people deal with trauma and there's initiatives around you know creative forms of education. In your opinion, in a pragmatic sense, talk to me about two things, education and perhaps entrepreneurship. Why is entrepreneurship, for example, let's talk about that first. Why is entrepreneurship or business or enterprise in general the best way to engender economic participation and economic progress as opposed to say, I don't know, put money in envelopes and just hand them out or, <laughs> or just ensure people are fed or create some sort of support system that ensures that people are getting the resources they need. Why, why entrepreneurship? Well, I think entrepreneurship uh, in such case is a solution, not a luxury. <laughs> uh, and um, because... What do you mean by that? I, I think it's in the Middle East case, not only Jordan. Uh, we already have unemployment problem. There are no jobs. <laughs> so you have a lot of young people. Mo most of uh, the population is young. Uh, Two-thirds of the population is young. So you can do the money envelope. That would be great. <laughs> but that can be done once, right? And after that, what should they do? More envelopes. <laughs> well, I'll be grateful if you have a lot of them for me. <laughs> Not quite. But I take your point. Um, you're saying prioritizing entrepreneurship is, is an existential issue on, yeah. on, to some extent. Uh, yes. Right now, this is the, the, the realistic and uh, the, the best case scenario approach that uh, Jordan should take to support entrepreneurs uh, and social entrepreneurs to help uh, getting refugees included. Not only that, there are no jobs. So if you want to create a job, you want to support entrepreneurs who are providing more jobs at the end of the day. I think the word entrepreneur implies a certain level of agency. How do you frame entrepreneurship when you think in terms of like ownership of means, you know, the, the implication that as an entrepreneur, you have a right to profit from your work beyond perhaps a salary, you know, ownership, issues like that. How do you frame them in your own mind? To consider the entrepreneurial uh, situation in a more realistic way, uh, most uh, entrepreneurs who could be or potential entrepreneurs from these communities could be considered micro-business leaders. So uh, if you look at it, it's not that huge. It can be supported through uh, very... Uh, small practices so it doesn't need that complication so there can be a supporting unit uh, the documentation uh, problem is an issue and that should be worked with uh, in coordination with the government and the UNHCR so they can get the documents right but this shouldn't be the like the final barrier yeah, I mean, I suppose I have a hypothetical situation in my mind. I'm a refugee from Syria. I'm in Jordan. 
I start to participate in this enterprise or create one of my own. But at any point, the rug can be pulled from under me, I feel. You know, so is, there, is, the, is that an issue, perhaps? Uh, it is an issue, actually. And uh, there are so many uh, organizations that work to guarantee this, this kind of uh, situations for the, the refugees themselves. But what could be done is to have uh, proactive action so they don't get to that point at the end of the day. I mean, you can't impose entrepreneurship on someone. <laughs> it's, uh, some, it's a need to have uh, your own business if you can't get a job. At the end of the day, you have to... You can uh, teach them all the cool uh, skills and all the interesting uh, creative innovation and technologies in the world. But what they think about is how they're going to pay, pay the rent at the end of uh, the month. So, And would you say that um, Jordan is an entrepreneurial community or do you feel like more education is required to get more of your fellow countrymen and women thinking entrepreneurially and uh, trying to, to sort of... Um, exploit really all the potential of of the situation as opposed to sort of sit back and criticize? Uh, I think we, we, we need to have both options and uh, let people decide for themselves. Well, what we need to work on is how to help people to decide for themselves. Uh, from my work, I work with young people from the refugee and the host community uh, on everyday basis and uh, I think we have a struggle with self-awareness for these young people and they they need guidance and mentorship f- for them to decide which uh, path to take. Do they want to be employed? What sector should they be employed in? What is uh, in demand in the labor market? And in the entrepreneurial part, there are so many people who have the uh, great ideas, but they just don't know how to realize it into reality. So, of course, it's a combination. You can't uh, break them down from each other. I do thank you so much for making the time to speak to us and, and really just give us a window into a world um, many of our listeners aren't familiar with, but I'm, I'm sure equally many of our listeners might relate to because, again, conflict and fragility, an issue all over the world, including on the African continent, both comforting on one hand and sad that we sh- there's a shared experience there. But um, thank you so much for making the time to chat anyway. Thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to hear it. <laughs> Absolutely.